and the forces of evil will take over the entire world. And Antichrist will appear. Cuando veáis que suceden estas cosas, conocer que está cerca a las puertas. And there will be persecution and suffering such as the world has never known. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whenever you're listening to this message. Welcome to Waters Church. My name is Tim. I am the lead pastor of this wonderful church in many locations. We want to say hello to North Attleboro, hello to Winsocket, Norwood, Tiverton, uh, Guatemala, everywhere else that is watching this message online. Let us know in the chat where you're watching from. We love your connection. Give the video a thumbs up if you do. That would be wonderful. We are continuing a message series called Last Days, and I am so excited to bring this content to you today. Uh, first, just a couple of announcements. First, North Attleboro, Woonsocket, I will be back in town on Tuesday for First Tuesday. You do not want to miss this. Prayer starts at 6 p.m., 7 p.m. worship, 7.30. I will be preaching the Word of God to you. I will be there with you. And it is the most impactful moment of our month. If you've never been to a First Tuesday, come to a First Tuesday. Can I get a good amen from someone who's been to First Tuesday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it is always awesome. Now, next Sunday as well, big announcement, Compassion Weekend at all locations. Compassion is a ministry that we have supported for, I want to say, almost uh, 15 years now. And we're going to be sponsoring kids overseas at every location. We will be having real-life Compassion grown-up children. The, the Children of Compassion's ministry grown up, their lives now successful, uh, faithful to Christ, uh, blessed, prosperous. And you're going to hear from them at all of our locations. And I have a short word in mind for us next week at all locations. So that's the next week ahead. I'm so excited. But before we get there, let's continue to talk about last days. Can I get everybody at all locations to say last days? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay. We asked this question last week. Are we in the last days of the last days? Like that's a good question because every generation of believers has thought since Jesus rose again, that they were the last generation. And I want to tell you that there is scriptural proof that we had to actually wait for some things to happen before Jesus returns. Let me say it this way. A common misstatement of many preachers, many Christians is, we, uh, we, we never had to wait for anything to happen before Jesus had to come back again. And we were wrong. Uh, we are often mistaken because we don't examine scriptures rightly, and we're often mistaken because we don't see the end from the beginning like God does. But history is an unfolding. History is an unfolding. In fact, the word apocalyptic, that means, it means unfolding narrative. And, and that's what history is, as history unfolds the realities of God's word. And last week we talked about the first thing that needed to happen before Jesus comes back, according to Isaiah chapter 10, is the nation of Israel had to be reconstituted in the land of Israel before he comes again. That happened in 1948. That was last week's message. I hope you were here. If you are not, check it out on our YouTube channel. But today I want to talk about something else that needs to happen before Jesus Christ comes again. And that is the arrival of an, a, a worldwide rebellion against God and then ultimately culminating in a worldwide leader that we call by many names, and Scripture calls by many names, but I'm going to call it by this name today, very familiar name, very hot-button name in the Bible. Here it is, Antichrist. So, last days, part two, here's the message. Ready? Antichrist is the world ready, and we're going to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you have your notes in-house, they're the half-page notes. Pull them out. Fill in the blanks. Follow along with us. If you're not in-house, 
Check out waterschurch.guide. It looks like that. We want you to click on today's message and you will see that you can fill in the blanks on your phone. And so that's also available to you. Follow along, fill in the blanks, and let's learn some things about what the scripture has to say about the end times, the last days. Okay, here, here's the deal. Is the world ready for Antichrist? I know what some Bible people are going to tell me right now. Because I've read the verses you've read. And I'm going to read one right now. 1 John 2.18. Listen to what our father in the faith, John, says. This is John, the beloved disciple, who walked with Jesus, wrote Revelation on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and then left some letters to the church, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And here's what he says, 1 John 2.18. Listen. Children, it is the next two words, everybody. What? Last hour. So not just last days, but last hour. And then he says this, and as you have heard, this is nothing new. They already heard this, that Antichrist is coming. Notice that it doesn't say he is here. It says is coming. But then note the next line. So now many Antichrists, plural, have come. Therefore, we know that is the last hour. Okay. When the Bible talks about time, you got to get this in your heart. It is not always literal time. Last days does not mean last few days. It could be last 2,000 years. Last hour does not mean 60 minutes. It just means a time frame. Even the word week. Daniel people will know. The people who love the book of Daniel and you pre-trib rapture people. Yes, I said you. (laughs) Uh, When Daniel talks about the weeks, the time frames, Daniel's 70th week. We know that that's talking about a seven-year tribulation period. So when the Bible talks about time, it's not necessarily literal time as we tell time in our watches and in our calendars. It refers to periods of history. It refers to the unfolding of history. And what John has told us right here on the pages of Scripture is, Antichrist is coming, and yet many have already come. And that is going to be unpacked in this message today about how we reconcile Antichrist have come. They're already here. And yet there is this one final world leader who will come upon the world. And I would like to say that two and a half years ago, if I was preaching this message series, I would say we're not close to that seven-year period, tribulation, or the last days of the last days. Two and a half years ago, man, I'll tell you, I would not have said it. But then COVID. And then 2020 and 2021. And now we are seeing the shaking of a global economy. We are seeing the upending of our norms. And we are seeing the mass confusion, the fog of distortion of truth, of what's real. And I think we forget so quickly. Remember 9-11, the theme of 9-11 in this country was a two-word theme. After 9-11, we promised ourselves we would do one thing, two words. The words were what? Never what? Forget. But man, we forgot. And I want us to do something, church. I want us to never forget what COVID did to us because it wrecked our world. And I think we need a reminder of what we just went through because it's so easy to forget and think that the world's going to get back to normal. I think what we saw in COVID was signs of coming attractions when Antichrist actually does finally show up. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. I'm going to give you eight pictures, and I want to show you from these pictures what we just went through. So picture number one, how many remember this? Curfew, starting when? 8 p.m., signs in New York City calling for adults, grown-ups, to have a curfew. How about this next picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy's getting surrounded by one, two, three, four, five cops to put a mask on. Come on, somebody. How about this next picture? Police barracks, barricaded. Who would have thought that in our country we would see police barracks, the undermining of civil authority? How about this next one? <laughs> COVID broke some people. I'm telling you, they, it just broke some people. Let's go to this, this, next, this next picture. Even crazier. <laughs> and some of you thought Coneheads was just an SNL skit. Nope, it was a real life end times reality. Next picture. 
This is, uh, this seems innocuous, but this is Mayor Eric Garcetti on the left. He is at Super Bowl, and he was one of the most strict COVID mask leaders in the country. In fact, they handed out KN95 masks to all the uh, participants or all the spectators, not participants, spectators of Super Bowl. And yet he brazenly showed up and flaunted with his mask in hand a maskless face throughout the day. Uh, that is hypocrisy at the, to the nth degree. Next picture. Now, now this one, let me just give you some context and maybe you're not catching it right out the bat. But this guy is riding a motorcycle with no helmet. But he does have a COVID mask on. Ladies and gentlemen, COVID broke us. Final picture. Just check this one out. This one is just for fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we have really lost our minds when we're christening babies with squirt guns. Uh, something is in the water in that church. Ladies and gentlemen, this was our world <laughs> for two and a half, no, almost two, no, now two years and two months. This was our world. Never forget. Why do I not want you to forget? Because Paul tells a first century church, don't forget. Don't forget that this is what's going to happen to the world before Jesus comes again. I want you to stand with me for the reading of God's word, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's, let's take a look at it together. Here's the word of the Lord. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Standing together at all locations, verse 1. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together with him, to him, sorry, we ask you, brothers, and I love this, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. Now, listen to this, because some of you got to catch this. I just told you that things have to happen before Jesus comes. Where do I get that idea? From Scripture, from the Bible. Look what Paul says, the next line in verse 3. For that day, what day? The day of the Lord coming and us being gathered together to him. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. There it is in black and white in our Bibles. Something has to happen before Jesus comes. The rebellion and the man of lawlessness, another name for Antichrist in the scripture, is revealed. The son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. And then notice this next line. Do you not remember that I, when I was with you, I told you these things? And we're going to skip ahead, if you don't mind, down to verse 13. And I will read the rest during the message. But verse 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers... So then, in light of all of this stuff that you're going to see happen on the world, what? Stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is for your comfort at all locations. Just go ahead and say that. This is for your comfort. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead. Yeah. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that the Spirit of the Holy Spirit will be upon this moment and guide us and lead us. And may my words be what you want them to be. And may our hearts be burning for your return as we study these realities. Help us to see Jesus, him and him only. In his mighty name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you at all locations. Have a seat. Have a seat. I'm, I'm actually kind of glad that this is on video because I want to make sure that I get this content out the same for all locations and all videos uh, and, and, all, and all services. Um, we have got to pay attention to Scripture when Scripture speaks about what we should be expecting about the last days. 
Too many Christian churches like ours, they've got lights, they've got smoke, they've got guitars, they've got drums, they've got skinny jean wearing worship leaders, right? They, they got all those cool U2 Coldplay-esque kind of themes going on in the services. But unfortunately, the pastors of these churches are no longer preaching and preparing for God's people to be ready for when Jesus comes. Like I said last week, it's all about this life. It's all about having a great life now. And we got to get back to what the scriptures, there's tons of scriptures. The Bible's 30% prophetic. 15% is to, looking toward the end. The Bible, scripture, God, your father, Jesus wants us ready for when Jesus comes again. And one of the things that we've got to be very aware of is that there's going to be no shortage of fear tactics from the pulpits of America's churches as well. As much as some churches ignore the end times, there's a whole bunch of churches that scare people about the end times. I want to do neither. I don't want to ignore them and I don't want to use them to scare you. But here's what Paul says to the Thessalonians. Look at verse one again, concerning, concerning the coming of our Lord. This is 2 Thessalonians verse one of chapter two. We want you or we ask you, don't be quickly shaken in mind or spirit. And I love that. Not in mind. Don't be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed by a spirit or a spoken word. Sometimes people like to do this in the church. And I want you to listen for this phrase. The Lord told me to tell you. Oh gosh, I really do not like that phrase. I really do not like the phrase because it's a manipulation tactic. Never tell, let anybody tell you the Lord told them if what the Lord told them is not in this book. Never, ever let that happen. But I want you to understand that that's not going to stop some people from trying to make that happen. And Paul knows that. He says, don't let anybody in spirit or word shake you in your mind about the coming of the Lord or to give you a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that God has already come. Jesus has already come. No, there's some things that have to happen. And I don't want you shaken. I want you strong. Paul says, I want you ready. I want you comforted by the return of Jesus. The return of Jesus is not here to scare us. It's here to prepare us. Prepare us in mind and in thought for when he comes again. Now, when we talk about Antichrist, man, this, this topic gets a lot of headlines in, in the church world. Number one, in the idea of who is it? So there has been no end to the speculation. In the first century, they thought it was Nero because the number of his name adds up to 666 in, in, in Roman numerals. So people assumed it was Emperor Nero who was crucifying Christians and burning them at the stake and burning down the city of Rome and then blaming Christians and fiddling while people suffered and all those stories from ancient Rome. And then uh, any number of world leaders since, including Adolf Hitler or Mussolini uh, or even the United States presidents. I mean, that's the, that's the number one uh, line of thought today, that the U.S. president, whoever it is at that time, is going to be the Antichrist. And, and even some have said it's the Pope, the Catholic Pope, who, who leads the Catholic Church into apostasy and, and claims himself to be divinity and all that. So there's no end. There's no end to speculation about who he is. But, but I want you to understand what Antichrist means. So I want you to take out your notes. I want you to write this down. The, the phrase anti in Christ. Anti, write this down, means against, but it also means replace. So we understand I am anti this, I am anti-mask, or I am anti-vax. That means I'm against those things. Okay. But in Greek, the word anti can also mean replacement. So what this is really about, antichrist, and listen, you got to catch this because this is the whole theme of the message, is a replacement Christ. Is a replacement for Christian orthodoxy, a replacement for Christian theology, a replacement for Christian community. And what the Bible reveals again and again and again about Antichrist is he will do a replacement work of Jesus Christ in this world as this world rebels against the gospel of Jesus Christ, against the word of God. So I got four things that he's going to do. And I'm going to give you these four things because I want you to ask yourself as we discuss these four things, I want you to ask yourself... Is this happening right now? Do we see a spirit of the age that aligns with what 
Antichrist leader is going to do to the world. And I believe if you lean in here and pay attention, you are going to be shocked at how much our world, through the last two and a half years, has been programmed and shaped to receive all four of these events, all four of these exercises of Antichrist. Okay, write these down. Number one, four things Antichrist will do. Number one, he's going to exalt himself. He's going to exalt himself. And I want you to pay attention to what Paul says here in 2 Thessalonians about this. First off, remember I said it means replacement of Christ as well as anti or against Christ. What did Christ do? The scripture says in Philippians chapter 2, he was in the form of God. He did not consider it something uh, to be held on to. He, he gave up his privileges as God in heaven. Didn't give up his divinity, but gave up his privileges, his prerogatives in some translations. And he humbled himself. He humbled himself. And he became a man, and he became obedient, and he was obedient all the way to the cross. And Jesus, but the night before the cross, washed the feet of every disciple that was about to run away from him. And, G and Judas, who was about to betray him, and Peter, who was about to deny him. And he humbled himself all the way to the cross, the lowest, most gnarliest uh, version of death the world's ever known. And that's what Jesus did, and he did that in obedience to God for you and for me. Anyone with the spirit of pride does not know Christ. And I'm amazed in this church, in the church, in the, in the global church, how easily we overlook pride in our world. We obsess about adultery. We obsess about stealing. We obsess about all these other, these are all these other sins, which are really the fruit of pride. But we follow, if you're a Christian, we follow a savior who humbled himself. And so if you want to know what antichrist is about, it's the opposite. It's the replacement. It's an exaltation of self. Look what Paul says in verse 3. Let no one deceive you. For in that day, the man of lawlessness will come, the son of destruction. He opposes and he exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be what? God. This is what Antichrist is going to do. Antichrist is a spirit of self-promotion. I want you to hear that again because it's imperative that you get it. Antichrist is a spirit of self-promotion. Now, you only, you only promote self if you love self. You will promote whatever you love. Another word for promote is worship. You will worship whatever you love. And if you love your kids, you will promote and promote and promote them. If you love your job, you will talk about it endlessly. If you love your spouse, you will talk about them endlessly. If you love Jesus, nobody can ever shut you up about Jesus because you love, you worship him. But this is what Antichrist does. He promotes self. Now, everybody has got to understand that if there is one thing that is absolutely clear in the scriptures, it is the idol of self, the worship of self, will be a reality of the last days. I give you the words of Paul to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. And what is, what's, what's the hallmark of these difficult times? I'm just, just note what the hallmark is for people will be lovers or worshipers or exalters of what? Self. Self is a four-letter word in the ideals of Christ. Christ humbled himself. Antichrist exalts himself. So here's my question for you, and I'm going to ask this question in all four points. Are you humbling yourself following Christ, or are you exalting yourself following Antichrist? Because that's the spirit of the age. The spirit of the age is self. Now, we were given a, what, three-month lockdown where we got to spend all the time we wanted with ourselves. One of the worst moments of the lockdown for me, and I don't know if you remember this, but this was the worst moment. This is where I was like, okay, the world's gone. When, the, when celebrities got on their cell phones and they started to sing John Lennon's Imagine to us. Yeah, 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 yeah. How, how many remember that was like, how many were on vomit alert at that moment? I was on, I could not stand. The, the song Imagine is, a, is an anti-Christian, anti-Christ 
mantra theme song is played at every Olympics, is played at every sports venue on the world stage. And then we had celebrities, the love of self. I mean, what a picture of our culture today, the love of self. And these things give us an opportunity to filter self, to promote self, to celebrate self, to see the world through self's eyes. And I can't tell you how, how clear it is that, oh, that's my, that's my dog on mine. So I, I, that's my dog. I promote my puppy. There we go. Okay, anyway, but, but that's, that's what we're in right now. An antichrist, a promotion of self mantra. That's just the first thing. Here's number two. What does antichrist do? Four things. Number two, he rejects biblical morality. Rejects biblical morality. Rebellion, the Bible says, is what it, it's a spirit of rebellion that's going to come upon the world. And so, again, this replaces Christ. What did Christ do? What did Jesus do when he came? He fulfilled the law. He obeyed God perfectly. He said to the people who wanted to kill him, he said, listen, show me where I've sinned. And no one had anything to say. He was perfect. The only perfect man, the only truly good, perfect person was Jesus Christ. He obeyed. He didn't reject. He followed God's word exactly. And then he died for us who can't follow it. But Antichrist is going to do the exact opposite. He's going to reject God's authority in morality. Look what Paul says in verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness. Now, when, when we talk about mystery, the word mystery just means that it is this spirit that congeals people together. I want you to think about that. Like in the gospel, in Ephesians 2, Paul talks about the spirit or the mystery. I'm sorry, the mystery of the gospel that Jews and Gentiles will all be one in Christ Jesus, right? Well, there's a mystery, a spirit that congeals the world in the word there is lawlessness, anomia in Greek, no law. It's already at work, Paul says in verse 7. Only now he who restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. A lot of conjecture about who that he is. And I just think it's very simple. I think it's the hand of God. God holds back. God restrains evil. He restrains lawlessness. What you see on your television, what you see in the news, is, is just what God allows. Remember when Job goes to heaven and he counsels with God about, I mean, when Satan goes to heaven and he counsels with God about Job, and he says, you know, lift your hand and let me attack him and, and watch him curse you. And God removes his restraining hand. And Satan attacks and Satan attacks and Job Job does not give up his faith. Well, I believe that God's hand is always restraining evil. The reason why the world doesn't fall apart at the seams is because God's hand is still holding it uh, uh, together. And that's going to come, there's going to come a point, ladies and gentlemen, where God says, enough. And all hell's going to break loose on the world. And then it says in verse 8, then the lawless one will be, then we're going to see who he is. So listen to me. We're not going to see who Antichrist is until God's restraining hand is removed. Now you say, well, when will I know if God's hand is removed? You'll know. Trust me, if you're in Christ, you will know. You will know when all hell breaks loose in the world. What we're just seeing right now is the cracks in the dam. We're just seeing the little springs through the cracks of the dam as the, as the unleashed hell to come upon the world is starting to happen. Then it says this, good news. Here's, here's the good news. The law of the sun will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Woo! I love that one. Breath of his mouth. You know, Mike Tyson got in trouble a couple of weeks ago because someone was taunting him on an airplane, and you just don't taunt Mike Tyson. I don't care who you are. I don't care how strong and tough you think you are. But evidently, some guy on a plane got a few drinks into him. Mike Tyson was sitting in front of him. Mike Tyson got up and just knocked that sucker up. Man, he just knocked him cold. You don't mess with Mike Tyson because you got to face Mike Tyson's fists. You don't mess with Jesus Christ because he never has to lift a fist. Ooh, that's a good preaching right there. All he has to do, all Jesus is going to have to do with the lawless antichrist is this. Are you ready? And he's just going to blow him away immediately. As much as the hell of the world is going to come upon, the hell of God's wrath coming upon the world through lawlessness, through rejection of biblical authority, Jesus is just going to show up and be like, okay, that's enough, and blow them out. Praise God. 
but the rejection of biblical morality. Are we seeing that now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Rejection of biblical authority. So, so let me ask you a question that I asked in the first point. Are you embracing what this word says, even when culture hates it and thinks you're outdated and wrong? Or are you rejecting it? Because if you're embracing it, you're with Christ. If you're rejecting it, you're with Antichrist. I'm just, I'm just laying it out as simple as I can. I'm just laying it out as simple as I can. I read this week, a new survey reveals that 52% of American adults believe that Jesus is a great teacher, but not God. 52% of American adults believe Jesus is a great teacher, but not God. Now listen to this number. Only 66% of evangelicals believe Jesus is God. 66% of people that go to churches like ours, only 6 out of 10, believe that Jesus is God. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't believe Jesus is God, you are not a Christian. You are not an evangelical. You are not a biblical Christian. And this is what's happening right now in the world. Even in these kind of churches, even in these kind of churches, there's an apostasy happening. I shared on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Tim Hash Live. Like and subscribe. Anyway, I shared it last week about a prayer at a Presbyterian church. Man, John Knox would be rolling over in his grave, the great... Uh, Scottish theologian John Knox who started the Presbyterian movement and brought people to the gospel and led thousands upon thousands to Christ and there was a, a woman leading a prayer in a Presbyterian church in Illinois and the prayer was all about the gender God the transgender God, the lesbian God the homosexual God, the God who is all these things he's, he's, he's so aware of himself, he's confused about himself I mean it was it was an insane prayer, and it goes on for two and a half minutes. This is happening in America's church, not just in the culture. It's happening in the churches, a rejection of biblical morality. Today, you'll, walk, you'll drive by certain churches, and they will have crosses replaced by gay pride flags. Today, you'll go by certain churches, and instead of crosses and instead of uh, uh, symbols of the Christian faith, they'll have... Uh, banners of Black Lives Matter or whatever political posturing that they want. Some churches are more tied to the Republican Party than the person of Jesus Christ. Some churches are more tied to liberal policies on immigration and sexuality than they are in the Word of God. This is to be expected because this is the spirit of Antichrist and it's seeping right into the church right into the church. So again, are you standing up for what God's word says? Or are you starting to reject it? Number three, what will Antichrist do? What? Write this down. He establishes a false global faith. Now again, this is a replacement for what Jesus did. When Jesus arrived, he fulfilled the law and the prophets of Judaism, the law and the prophets of the Jews. He fulfilled the Old Testament. And he established the new covenant, a new faith. Not, not really a new faith as much as a fulfilled faith because what Abraham saw in his mind and in his visions, Jesus was. And Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament and now he establishes what we now term Christianity. Well, the Antichrist is going to establish a new faith, a global faith, and it is a false faith. Look at what it says here in verse 9 of 2 Thessalonians 2. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. Notice, there are such things as false signs and wonders. This is why Jesus says, woe to the generation who looks for a sign. Woe to the generation who looks for wonders because wonders and signs can be manipulated. They can be deceptive. They can be falsified. They can be supernatural supernaturally inspired and instigated by demons. I'm just trying to tell you the truth of God's word here. You've got to be aware of it. So there's going to be this false signs and wonders, just like signs and wonders in the early church happened, truly and genuinely. There's going to be false at the end times, false signs and wonders. Verse 10, with all wicked deception, not truth, but deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So this is important because what's going to happen at the end times is there's going to be this global worship of Antichrist. I take you to Revelation chapter 13. Look with me there at that text, Revelation chapter 13. It, this is the, this is the Antichrist, it ex exercises all authority of the first beast in his presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast 
whose mortal wound was healed. So now you have this resurrection. That's a mockery or an imitation of what Jesus did. Whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire to come down from heaven to earth in the front of, in front of people. False signs. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the beast, uh, the image of the beast to be slain. So you have this iconography of this false faith that's coming upon the church, uh, upon the world. You have false signs and wonders. You have a great deception you have a rejection of truth and an embrace of lies. And all of this makes for a global false faith. I want to ask you another question. Are you getting closer and deeper into the biblical faith? The faith, what Jude calls, that was once delivered for the saints? Are you loving the word and embracing the word, growing stronger in Christ? Or are you watching television at no end and embracing the mantras of our age and getting a hooked on the hashtags of our age and following the, the ideals of our age and, 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 and not even realizing that you have started to slowly abdicate the true faith and have wandered into a false, self-oriented, self-promoting, anti-biblical false faith. I'm trying to tell you that scripture is clear. This is what's going to happen before he comes again. Our country is a test case for what's happened, what happens when you abandon biblical faith and embrace no faith. Our country is a test case. We are coming up on 60 years. June 25th, this year, is a huge 60-year anniversary for our country. In June 25th, 1962, the Supreme Court of this country through a case called Engel versus Vital, removed prayer from our public schools. Ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, there was a time when we sent our kids to school and they used to pray, led by their teachers, a very Christian prayer. They prayed for wisdom. They prayed for insight. They prayed for stability and truth. And in 60 years ago, our Supreme Court said, that's a violation of the First Amendment, and prayer was gone. Can I just ask you a question? What would your life look like if you didn't pray for 60 years? I'm always amused at how worked up some people in our country are about what's happening in our public school system. And I almost want to tell them, what did you expect? When you remove prayer for wisdom and prayer for truth and asking God for help in these things, what do you get? You get foolishness. You get rampant immorality. You get confusion. You get a absolute abandonment of norms and foundations that make for human flourishing. 1962, a year later, in the case of Abington School District versus Shemp, the Supreme Court removed Bible reading from public schools. And again, I'm talking about Bible reading led by the teacher. I'm not, you can read the Bible in school. You can bring your Bible to school. And I encourage that. And if you want to do this, fine. But I'm just talking about led by the school. What would your life look like if you didn't read the Bible for 59 years? That's exactly what you're seeing in our public school system. Fast forward two decades to the 1980s. In 1980, the inevitable result was, through a case called Stone versus Graham, the Supreme Court said that any posting of the Ten Commandments in a public school was a violation of the, church, of the First Amendment. So now no, no Ten Commandments anywhere in our public schools. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to think about this. Sixty years ago, prayer for wisdom, Bible reading, and the Ten Commandments were regular parts of our educational system. Look it up and see if I'm right. Please, I challenge you to fact check me. It was absolutely true. And we've walked away from it, and at the highest court in the land, we've rejected it. What would your life look like if you went 42 years without reading the Bible? 60 years, no prayer. 59 years, uh, no, no Bible reading. And 42 years, no law. 
So what happened in our public school systems was they took the sign down that said, thou shalt not murder in 1963, and just three decades later in 1998, Jonesboro, Arkansas had a mass shooting in its public school, and a year later, Columbine in Littleton, Colorado had a mass shooting, and now mass shootings in our public schools are so common, they hardly get reported anymore. We told them to stop murder. We told them that we're no longer going to tell them stop murdering, and the children obliged. And we told them to stop fornicating in the law of God. We said, no, we're not going to. We're not going to tell you that anymore. And the children obliged, and test scores have plummeted, and standards have plummeted. Now, in the public school system, a tech, a, a high school football coach, goes to court. And get sued for leading a voluntary prayer at the end of a football game. But a 15-year-old boy can use a girl's locker room unimpeded by the school's authorities. This is how Antichrist wants to rule the world. Absolute confusion, no biblical standards, no truth, a fog of idiocy. That is coming upon the age. And my admonition to you is be aware of it. Understand what's going on so that you're not caught off guard by the spirit of Antichrist. And tragically, this is perhaps the most tragic for me. Churches have embraced this nonsense. Instead of speaking up, instead of saying something because it needs to be said, churches like this one, that look like this one and sound like this one and might feel like this one, the pastors don't talk about this stuff. They don't want to offend. They don't want to cause harm. They don't want to upend anybody's ideal of themselves. They don't want to hurt or trigger anyone. And so they avoid at all costs. And so the gospel message, the biblical message has been rejected. And now we've got this self-promoting message that gets a Christianized stamp on it. And it's all about you being awesome in Jesus and no longer about repentance and watching for the day of the Lord and expecting the soon return of Jesus Christ. My friends, this is is not the time for the church to abandon its prophetic witness. This is the time for the church to stand up and say, this is the word of the Lord. And you don't have to listen, but we do have to say it. And you need to repent and believe the good news of the gospel and be saved. No more is it time for abdicating this. We've got to speak it out and preach the word of God. And ladies and gentlemen, let me just say, when you give and support this church, you're helping us do just that. The word of God needs to be proclaimed. Number four, spent a lot of time on number three. I'll do number four quick. He controls economies. Now, this is a big one. Here's what Christ did. Christ came to set us free to freely give. He said, freely you have received, freely give. Christ wants us freely giving. The Antichrist wants to control us with our money, through money. I bring you to Revelation chapter 13 one more time. Verse 16, it says, it, this is the beast, or prophet, the prophet and the beast. You can interchange those two because they're on the same team. It also causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave. That's another way of saying the whole world. He is going to control, he is going to cause, he's going to control the whole world to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell. That's called an economy right there. That's an economy. No one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Um, vaccine passports, anyone? Do I need to go much further here? I'm, uh, this is happening now. And some of you need to be aware of the global takeover of the free economy of the West right now through companies like BlackRock and Vanguard who own together $30 trillion in assets, buying up private property residence, manipulating markets, upending our trust in the economic system that we know. My grandfather's generation used to talk about the one world government being enacted through credit card payments. Now you can go anywhere overseas, anywhere, and you can swipe a credit card. But my grandfather's generation never saw Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. And now you see almost every single day there's another country embracing cryptocurrency as, as, a, as a standardized form of payment. Am I against cryptocurrency? 
Well, I'm telling you that that's a very easy way in which the whole world will be under one global economic system. And it sounds free at first. And Antichrist will come and change all of that. And just think about how hard it was for some people to get on a plane because they didn't get a shot. Just a couple of months ago. What makes you think it's not going to happen again? And even worse, where you get to the point where you can't even buy your groceries unless you have X amount of Bitcoin or social credit on your smartphone device or your, I don't know, implanted skin device or whatever. I mean, we're getting there. We're getting there now. I reported about that skin device that some uh, is right here on the right-hand side of the screen. A Swedish startup company starting a microchip device that can go under your skin so that you don't have to worry about losing your phone anymore. This, this is happening now. This is happening now. So, so those four things, what are they? Self-exaltation, rejecting the Bible, establishing a false global church, and controlling economies. And I think that for some Christians, the rubber's going to hit the road when it starts to touch their money. And they're going to fall away because they've never given their money to God. They've never tithed. They've never supported the church. And they say they're Christians, but their, their wallets say otherwise. I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm saying this to prepare you. Matthew 25 says there's a church of 10 virgins at the last day. And five of those virgins were wise and ready. And five were foolish. And they didn't have oil. And they missed the coming of the Lord. Which one are you? I, you need to be prepared. I'm not saying it's happening next week or next month. I'm saying it's going to happen and we can see the signs of it today. Now, let me finish up this message really quickly by saying three responses of the church. Number one, write this down. Remember who we belong to. Remember who we belong to. My life is not my own. I belong to Jesus Christ. Here's the great hope that I have. No matter what happens in the last seven years of human history, whether I go to be with the Lord in a pre-tribulation rapture, which personally I don't personally believe, and you can disagree with me, and that's fine. Or I have to struggle through the tribulation and have the hand of God protect me through it. And Jesus comes again in glorious triumph, and we win in the end. I am comforted because I know who I belong to. Here's what Paul says again in verse 13. We thank God. We give thanks for you because God chose you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't believe God shows you, repent and believe the gospel and the Holy Spirit will come into your life and he will seal the deal in your spirit that you belong to God. You belong to God. And you're the first fruits to be saved. And it says this, verse 14, to this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I belong to him. He called me. He chose me. He's got, a, he's got me in the palm of his hand and no one can pluck me out. Hallelujah. Number two, stand firm in and deepen biblical faith. If you want to be ready for Jesus' return, you're not going to be ready by Netflixing all night. You're not going to be ready by endlessly absorbing the entertainment offerings of our culture. I'm all for a few entertainment breaks. But honestly, some Christians are so immersed in culture simply because they give all their time to what's happening in that sphere of the world and none of their time to the scriptures. Are you in God's word? Are you in the Bible? Are you reading it? Are you learning from it? Are you letting it speak to you? Here's what he says in verse 15. So then, brothers, stand firm. Somebody say, stand firm. Yes, yeah, stand firm and hold to the traditions. The traditions. Can I, can, we say, can I say this? Traditions are not a bad thing. The Bible is not a bad The traditions of biblical morality, not a bad thing. They are the most healthy things you can possibly do. Hold firm to them. Stand strong in them. And don't deviate from them. And then finally, number three, trust in the strength that God gives. And I, I love this point especially as we begin to prepare our hearts for the end of this message. Trust in the strength that God gives. Can I tell you 
that God has strength for you. Some of you, you're overwhelmed by all that I've shared. Some of you are watching too much news and you get stirred up in your spirit and you start to freak out and and fall apart. And I'm gonna tell you, the reason why is because you haven't realized that God's got the strength you need for today. He's got it. 2 Thessalonians 2, 16, look what it says. A prayer, this is a prayer. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. The word comfort. We tend to think of it as a soothing of our pains and it can be that. But I want you to think about the word comfort for a second. Break it in. It's a two-part word, and it comes from two Latin words. Com, fort. Com means with, and fort, think about a army fort, or a naval fort, or how about this word? Fortitude. Strength. What God does when you pray, as Paul does here, when you pray, God comes with strength. And this is the church that he's looking for. This is the church that he's coming for. A church that is prayed up, that is read up, that is preached up, that is gospeled up, and that is strengthened up. Not in the messages of this world, not falling under the deception of our enemy, but firm in the gospel and the truth that is final in Jesus Christ. I want you to stand with me at all of our locations. Stand with me. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Some of you need in this moment to say yes to Jesus Christ right where you are. You've been playing a fool's game with God. You've been playing half in, half out. You've been coming and going as you see fit. You see your life as your own. You've fallen into the idol of self. I don't know what it is for you, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to repent and believe the gospel. The scripture says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And I want to lead some of you in a prayer of commitment to Jesus. The prayer doesn't save you. And I am not asking you to say this magical formula wherein now you say this and that's it. No, I'm asking you right now to surrender your life to Jesus Christ so that from this day forward, you hand your life over to him as best as you understand. I'm not suggesting you're going to be perfect. I'm not suggesting you're never going to sin again. I'm saying that now from this moment forward, your life is in the hand of God. And if that's you today, I want to give you a chance to say yes to Jesus right where you are. Would you repeat after me? You can say it quietly but please say it from your mouth and from your heart. Repeat after me if that's you. Say, Heavenly Father, today I repent of my sin and ask you to forgive me through Jesus Christ, your Son. Today I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And as best as I know how, I choose to follow you in Jesus' name.